This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian, and with me always is the Falcon to my Winter Soldier, Tony. Say hey, Tone. Hey, Tone. What's going on in that cyborg brain of yours? You don't want to know. Oh, yeah, I can see it working. Gears turning. Oh, they're malfunctioning. They're on fire. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good Talking to be back. It is good to be back, man. It's uh, it's been a while, but we got some good news, huh? We do. So it's been a couple of weeks. We're looking at making this a weekly thing again, but it is going to be in a slightly different format than what you might be used to if you are a previous listener. We are over on Phoenix Media, the multiverse of pop culture entertainment, which means we've got some commercial breaks. The show's going to be broken up a little bit into the TV, movie, video game type segments. And, uh, you know, we're going to make it a little more concise, make it a little bit easier to follow, but all for you guys, the listeners. Now, uh, Tony, are you looking forward to this as much as I am? Oh, I am, man. It's the, it's an entire show, just geeky, nerdy, pop culture a little different than our morning shows that we do Monday through Friday, which we'll get to here shortly. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how this goes, and please let us know your feedback. I know some really like the live aspect of the podcast, but uh, given my work schedule outside of here, it's, it is hard to run an actual live show. So, you know, well, we're doing one now. We're doing live, but... It's yeah. live for us, not for you guys, but yeah. uh, in any case, you know. I was playing it off because it said live, so. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and kick things off the way we do each and every show with a shameless plug. It's shameless plug time. It is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money is cool. Money is cool. Speaking of money being cool, well, sometimes you use money to help dogs out, which is why we've got uh, roughriders.org, which is my 501c3 dog rescue nonprofit dedicated to the transport of dogs from the rural kill shelters into the metro area here where we work with local uh, rescue groups and uh, the local shelters to find them homes, give them a second chance at life. If you want to learn more about Rough Riders, head over to roughriders.org. That's R-U-F-F riders.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rough writers saves we always welcome wonderful donations they are tax deductible and you can get more information at either the website or facebook now with that being said i'm turning it over to you tone you do a little pop culture show every sunday with our buddy jimmy jones why don't you tell us about it i sure do i am uh i do about a 40 it's now like 40 45 minute segment on pop culture kaboom it is a everything you want everything you need uh, pop culture, everything from cosplay, uh, tabletop games, um, uh, cons when they are going on, 
movies, TVs. Jimmy always has an interview in his final hour. He seems to find one every week, which is just awesome. Um, gets all kinds of different comic book artists, things like that. But you can check it out. I do the movie segment with him uh, where we review hideous trailers. And then we talk. Uh, we started with Mandalorian. We had a Mandalorian discussion. Then we had WandaVision. Now we'll be doing uh, Winter uh Falcon and Winter Soldier discussions every Sunday. Uh, you can check that out on uh, KNVC. That's 95F, 95.1 FM, Carson City Local Media, if you're in the uh, northern Nevada area. Or you can go to 951.knvc.org uh, is all the website is. Sorry, knvc.org. Click on the link. Click on Pop Culture Kaboom. We are on Sundays, uh, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Or, I mean, excuse me. Pacific Standard Time. I am in the Mountain Standard Time. That's where I'm at. But right. <laughs> where the show airs is out of Nevada, so it's Pacific. So, uh, yeah, easiest, check us out. Easiest, easiest way to remember, just KNVC. KNVC.org. And that is my shameless plug. <laughs> and then finally, in shameless plugs, Tony mentioned it earlier, we do a daily variety comedy show here on Phoenix Media called the Christian Phoenix Radio Show. Head over to phoenixmedia.us. You can find everything you need there. But it runs from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every single morning. We've got guests. We've got uh, live call-in topics. Tomorrow is a uh, call-in contest. And we have fun. You know, we just sort of scratch the surface. As I like to put it, we are your daily dose of laughs and levity. So uh, with that being said, Tony, we've got a couple minutes before our first break. Typically, we start out with TV news, but I wanted to touch real quick on the WandaVision finale. Um, we were engrossed in WandaVision. We loved it. We couldn't get enough of it. And then we got to the finale, and uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you thought it ended and uh, what the hits and misses were. Yeah. First off, got to give uh, you know the first two episodes. If you haven't watched the series, you just got to get past the first two. They're a little quirky. Um, but I loved it, man. Every week, every episode, in my opinion, got better and better, told a great story. There was a huge cliffhanger. I won't. Uh, well, if you uh, I got to say spoiler alert, if you haven't Enough. seen it, maybe skip through it, because at this point where the series is done, it's it's run for nine weeks. So it's uh, just give you that second to spoiler. But they introduced Quicksilver, but it wasn't just Quicksilver. It was Quicksilver from the X-Men franchise, which then I was like, oh, my God, this is great. It's the multiverse. And then every week you had this theory, and it was it was all these different things, and it just got better and better and better. And, you know, by the end of it, it was, um, it was just phenomenal. Just such a great story from front to back. Wonderful how they explained. Now my misses... Because I can give this thing ups all day long, give it the ups, and it was fantastic. Let me just get nitpicky on some of the gripes. All right, Quicksilver. For as excited as I was about it, what a waste! Wasted character. Kind of just a throwaway, giving that he was um, what was his name, Boner. Like, yeah, it was <laughs> Ralph. I mean, Ralph Boner. He was just some like struggling actor, and and he was under. Agnes's spell and it was just like oh or Agatha is who it, who came but uh, I was disappointed that I thought Kat Dennings uh, Darcy was wonderful in the entire series she brought a lot of that wit comedy and uh, I felt like in the last episode she just had like a quick cameo and that was her driving the uh, funnel truck uh, to hit this the 
the sword agent, the bad guy, who for no reason turned heel. He was fine in the beginning and just out of nowhere, he was just a bad guy. And he right. was hell bent on getting Wanda. And it was just like, that was kind of like, he was a lame villain. And I thought Cat was a throwaway in the last episode. And then they kind of leave you hanging with the white vision. Like, I think your mind can tell you what's going to happen, but you never get more than when he takes off. You're just like, oh, that was that. Exactly. Okay. So little gripes there, you know, otherwise like, you know, and Monica Rambeau, like they, they do all this thing to give her the powers. But then when she's held captive by Quicksilver, she can't, she can't use her powers to get out of that. Like I know she wasn't even tied up. She was just in his house. Yep. That, that was it. Yeah. So he had the speed to stop her, but uh, I, you know, I, I share a lot of the gripes that you had, but let's do this tone. We're going to head into the break. And then when we come back, we'll chat a little bit more about WandaVision and we'll get into the TV news. So uh, let's go ahead and head out and uh, we'll see you guys in just a couple minutes. Welcome back to the Proton Pack podcast. Yes, that was a commercial break in between previous segment and this segment, but wanted to round out our discussion about WandaVision, the finale, the hits and the misses. Um, you know, I agree with you, Tone. I, I love the inclusion of the white vision. You know, that was the vision that I grew up with as a kid, um, you know, just for the eras that we grew up in. So it was awesome seeing that. It didn't end up doing what I thought it was going to do, where it melded, uh, you know, the green and red visions mind stone with the white visions body. But uh, after he gave him all of his uh, memories back, my guess is he'll come back into Wanda's life. And then my biggest gripe is that uh, there was no big, big, bad payoff. You know, Agatha was the big bad. We always thought that there was somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. Maybe it was the uh, lead sword agent uh, that he was like Mephisto in disguise, but uh, turned out, None of that was the case. And so she just ended up being the bad guy. They rounded everything out. The kids disappeared. Vision disappeared. The white vision flew off to who knows where. And uh, now uh, Wanda is just a nomad walking the earth again. So um, yeah. She's great. In some little hut in the mountains, right? Exactly. Great series. It could have paid off a little bit better just through the excitement. But uh, I think that's more of us putting more yeah, in than what we expected or what they yeah. expected. So. I like the Easter eggs at the end. Uh, it makes you think like I, we obviously know that Elizabeth Olsen will be back in uh, Dr. Strange in the mul in the multiverse of madness. Uh, or if I said that right. Um, yeah. But uh, my almost thought is she's inadvertently going to be the villain in there. I think by going into the dark book is going to create a lot of massive nightmares for Dr. Strange to try to undo. And then when she realizes that she might've thought she was doing good, she creates worse. And who knows, maybe Mephisto is the big bad in this one. Um, because that's you, you heard it. The last thing you hear are, you know, um, the, the boys like mom help, you know? Yeah. So, and weren't they were, weren't they parts of his soul, Mephisto's soul, um, so maybe the there's like a deal to get the boys back. She has to do something for him and maybe it just goes south. But I ultimately think that she's going to be good by the end of that movie and they'll undo whatever craziness she's opened. But at that point, too, I think that's where White Vision will come in and then that's how they'll reunite. That, that's my thought. 
but yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Who who knows? It's I'd all say theories. That, yeah, it's a safe bet, but at the same time, uh, you know, we we won't have to go too far to see how her story plays out. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and go into our TV news, so that way we can run down the latest in well TV news. Bazinga! Cool! The cream of the crop. <laughs> Hey, baby. Let's go, Bob. Excellent. Hail to the king, baby. So this first one kind of took me by surprise when you told me the other day, but uh, there is a Terminator anime series that's been ordered by Netflix, with the last three Terminator movies having underperformed at the box office, despite the fact that each one was designed to start a new trilogy. It's pretty clear that the film franchise needs to go dormant for a little while. But that doesn't mean that we won't have a new Terminator project to look forward to. Variety has learned that Terminator anime series has been ordered by the Netflix streaming service. Details are being kept under wraps, but it is known that the anime is a collaboration between Netflix, Skydance, and Production IG. Production IG has been previously responsible for animes like Ghost in the Shell, Eden of the East, and Be the Beginning. Who knows if... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800 is going to be a part of it. But, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting place to take the Terminator franchise. Um, what are your thoughts, Tone? I'll, I'll definitely check it out uh, just because um, I love the Terminator, even though lately I'm willing to get you. I'm good. Um, I'm not big on anime. Like I, you know how they had Castlevania on there and I, I love the Castlevania games and I was like, I'll do it. I tried. It's not that it was bad. It just was wild. So if it's got a good story and it can hook me, then sure. But, um, I don't know. I'll I'll reserve judgment. I'll say oddly excited. (laughs) Yeah. I've never been a big fan of the anime style, but. Uh, apparently the Castlevania one is pretty good. Yeah. So either way I'll check it out on Netflix and you know, I get Netflix for free. So not for free, but I pay for it anyway. And (laughs) we'll, we'll check out Terminator from there anyway. All right, let's move on to the next story. So uh, the child's play TV series uh, finally found its lead actor in Devin Sawa. That name doesn't ring. He was in the first uh, final destination movie. He was in idle hands. Huge during the 90s and then sort of disappeared. But uh, the Chucky TV show from Child's Play creator Don Mancini and Channel Zero creator Nick Antosca has found its leading man in Devin Sawa. According to Collider, cameras are set to roll on the series, with sources saying that Zachary Arthur, Tio Brionis, Bjorgvin Arneson, and Olivia Allen Lind, boy, those are hard to say, will also star. Mm-hmm. In what's been said so far, Brad Dourif is expected to reprise his role as the voice of Chucky, with Jennifer Tilly also believed to be joining the series. She played Tiffany Valentine, Chucky's equally as effed up partner in Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, and Cult of Chucky. Tony, is this something you're going to be checking out? Uh, were you a big Child Play fan in uh, well, the movies? I wasn't a big fan, no. I mean, I didn't hate them, but I think I, I liked... I well, when I was little, you know, they used to freak me out. Like the the first one was nuts. I remember that one was good, and then they got kind of stupid after that, you know. Um, let's see, the last Chucky I saw, I think, was Bride of Chucky. I haven't even seen like, that. One. 
No, that was uh, when he married Tiffany. So that was like the fourth one. Okay. And yeah. and that had, uh, what was it? John Ritter was in there and it had a metal, super metal soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that's right. But, yeah. You know, like, but as far as the child's play goes, like it, it sounds like it'll be okay. Like it doesn't seem like it'll be terrible, but you know, I don't, uh, horror movies don't usually do so well as TV shows. So, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah. We will see. I like the idea of bringing the Brad Dourif character back and not so much the AI reboot version. So, uh, you know, it, it could do well for fans of that property. Yeah. Now, speaking of fans, this next one, uh, I'm super excited about a new take on the transformers is coming to the small screen courtesy of Nickelodeon with the studio teaming up with Hasbro's entertainment one to co-produce an original animated transformers Nickelodeon series. Based on the beloved property, which follows extraterrestrial robots who can disguise themselves to look like all manner of vehicles and other objects, this new series will introduce a new species of Transformers who must find their place and purpose among dino, uh, sorry, Autobots, Decepticons, and the human family that adopts them. Nickelodeon's Transformers series will consist of 26 half-hour episodes and is due to premiere exclusively on Nickelodeon in the U.S. before rolling out internationally. As soon as I read the creative concept, which at its core is about family, I knew we had absolutely had to tell this story with our good friends at E1 and Hasbro, said Ramsey Nido, president of Nickelodeon Animation. The series will tell a reimagined story featuring both original characters and fan favorites for a whole new generation of kids and families. The creative team at Nick, overseen by Claudia Spinelli, uh, senior vice president of animation development, can't wait to get started on building this new world. While I am excited that there is a new Transformers, I'm not excited that it is the team behind Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. God-awful version. What's your take, Tone? Um, Again, I'd watch. It just depends. I'd have to see the trailer for it first. And uh, if it looks good, I'd give it a watch. Um, If it looks anything like Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and no thank you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. No, because that was just really bad. It was like I it's fine you want to reimagine the Ninja Turtles, but the problem is is you're not really paying homage. Why don't you just go create your own property then? If you're trying to re-envision it, just go create your own stuff. Yeah. Versus taking the property and being like, well, we're gonna make sure that they wear full on head bandana things. <laughs> or but only one of them, and they're all gonna look completely different and Right. And there's none of the villains that you're used to. It's, you know, they created all new villains and stuff. It's like, see, you're creating your own property. Go do your own thing. It's dumb. Yeah. They're just taking the name, doing something else with it. It just does not make sense. No. Folks, boy, time just flies. That does it for the TV news. We're going to head into our break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking box office report, trailer of the week and movie news. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack podcast. Last segment, we finished up the TV news, uh, got through only half of what we had planned. But, uh, you know, we're still getting used to the new format, uh, you know, having commercials, keeping it only an hour long as opposed to before we could go an hour and a half, two hours and, and really go quite a quite a bit of time. So with that being said, let's go ahead and run down this week's box office report and see how the movie theaters did. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, there's a brand new number one. Didn't make huge numbers, but Disney's Riot and the Last Dragon opened in first place with an estimated $8.6 million. Of course, it's available. Good news, everyone. Yeah. It's also available on uh, Disney Plus's Premiere Access. Costs you 30 bucks in order to download it, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what how much money they brought in from uh, that Premiere Access versus the theaters themselves. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing how it did. And, uh, you know, if it ends up being really good, that might be the model they need to do. But I really hope. I mean, like, there was news today that uh, Wyoming's going to open up there, so it's not like there's a lot up there. But, uh, and that's not a knock on Wyoming, but they're <laughs> lifting the masks. Texas lifted the masks. So, and now New York and LA are starting to open up theaters. So, this, this could be good for the movie industry, hopefully. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more big movies coming back. There's a lot that we're anticipating. Godzilla versus Kong, I think, is probably the next big one. But, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's we're going back to a little bit of normalcy, which is always nice. But, uh, yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon, obviously a Disney movie. No problem hitting that number one slot. Number two, which I'm surprised is still up in the top, is Tom and Jerry brought another $6.6 million. Terrible rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but people are going to the theaters to see it. Yeah. Good job. I'll give it a good job, though, because it's kicking ass, actually, in the uh, in the box office. So any movie that can help get it jumpstarted, even if it's Tom and Jerry, I'm all for it. Exactly. Uh, in third place, Chaos Walking, that is the Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland movie. $3.8 million. Not great, but it sat on the shelf for a while. My guess is they just want to get it out there for people to see. Yeah. Something I would watch... Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd see it in theaters if uh, if it were playing here, but I don't think it is. It is playing here, so I might escape out to see it. Uh, yeah. In fourth place is a movie called Boogie. I have no idea what it's about. It's, it's a it's about it's about a booger. Okay. Uh, <laughs> brought in one point two million, and then hanging in there strong in fifth place is The Crudes, a new age. Brought in seven hundred eighty thousand dollars, bringing its total to fifty three point six million domestically. That's been the big winner of the uh, uh, pandemic uh, box office. Would have never seen that coming either, man. I would have, I would have guessed it would have either been Inception or, or excuse me, not Inception. I apologize, Tenant or uh, uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. I really thought that those two would be like the big ones, but they weren't. They, yeah. uh, I just think it was one of those two. Um, but the Crudes, man, definitely didn't see that coming to be the big one. Exactly. Rounding out the top 10, you had The Little Things at 550,000, Wonder Woman 1984 at 511,000, The Marksman or Taken 9 at 500,000, Judas Priest and the Black Messiah. I mean, Judas Woo! and the Black Messiah. 220, uh, $282,000, and then Monster Hunter rounding out the top Monster 10 at $260,000. So not bad for the box office, despite everything that's going on right now. With that being said, let's move on into our movie news. Are you the key master? Laugh it up, fuzzball. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're going to see some serious shit. Yeah, we will, Doc Brown. All right, well, Chris kick- Scott, you said shit on the radio. <laughs> kick I don't it know up. about that, Christian. Kicking off our movie news is the brand new Zack Snyder movie. No, we're not talking Justice League. We are talking Army of the Dead. Uh, he obviously did Dawn of the Dead, uh, at least the most recent reboot. My guess is this is a continuation of it. But 
since this is a video show as well as a podcast show, why don't we go ahead and check it out as well? So let's go ahead and move some of these things around here and uh, let's give it a listen. Casinos are open. Drax the Destroyer. Now, I forgot he had done Dawn of the Dead. Yikes. That's heavy, brother. But I dig it. Yeah. Wow. And of course, as you saw, it is coming to Netflix, so it won't even be going to theaters. But Zack Snyder, it's got his visual style. Dave Bautista, Drax the Destroyer. Um, looks exciting. What do you think, Tony? Oh, I would, I'd see that in theaters. That's the crazy thing. I would go to theaters to see that, but I will definitely be watching that. It looks um, just intense. All those zombies on the Las Vegas Strip, I mean, just a sea of zombies. Um the only thing, like if you have the, and, and this is just entertainment, but if you, when you go to a casino now, you don't get coins anymore. So no. all those coins coming out, like that's just cheesy because that's not how it is. But aside from that, who doesn't love Grandma Elvis zombie? Exactly. It made me chuckle. No, it looks like a fun ride. It's a little bit of like a heist meets action meets the zombies. But, uh, you know, hopefully Zack Snyder can do a little bit something different uh, than what we've already seen in the whole zombie genre. I can't wait. I know Dave Batista actually turned down doing Suicide Squad too with our friend of the show, James Gunn. And so now about hands. I ain't done that in a while. Um, but he was gonna be in Suicide Squad too, but then decided when the opportunity came to do this, he chose that instead. So uh, we'll see if uh it paid off. But uh I think obviously it was no disrespect to James Gunn. He just really wanted to work with Zack Snyder and you know, Dave Batista He's a actually he's a pretty entertaining actor. I I don't mind him. His stuff is actually pretty good. It's not the rock level, but it's good. It's pretty close. He did that spy movie at that kids movie. That was highly entertaining. Yeah. Don't you notice like they're all taking the the wrestler format, right? It worked for the rock and it was simple. It was do your action movie, get on the map, do a kid movie, get a following and so forth. And John Cena's done it and uh, Batista. So I expect Batista to be in like Fast and the Furious 10. (laughs) Probably. I'm expecting that because you got John Cena in Fast 9. So, Well, that's a nice little segue to our next story. Universal is pumping the brakes again on their release date for (laughs) F9. The new report indicates that Fast 9 will move from May 28th to June 25th, so not too far. But meanwhile, Illumination's Minions, The Rise of Gru, will be delayed all the way to July 1st, 2022, which that one should have been out already. Evidence suggests that Fast 9 is switching gears because of concerns related to major overseas markets. In other words, if Fast 9 can't go big, it's got to stay home. 
Well, at least for a little while. While it's true that theaters in places like New York City are reopening on Friday, Los Angeles cinemas remain shuttered until vaccinations across the city are in better supply. Should overseas markets start to see a reduction in cases of COVID-19, there's a chance that Fast 9 could hit the theatrical pavement before tearing up domestic screens. I would not count on it, though. Um, Tony, it's been pushed back so many times now. At this point, are we ever going to see it? Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Well, thanks to that, maybe not. But uh, no, I actually think we will get it this summer because you you got you got movies like A Quiet Place that just said no more waiting, we're done. It's coming out now. I kind of feel like you have to get some of these out because some of like uh, Black Widow is a great example. They've been kind of mum on that. Um, that kind of ties into how their TV shows line up. So that's kind of an important piece in the internals. It all interweaves, so they kind of have to get those out, even though they've already delayed it. Um, I'm tired of all the waiting. It's kind of like our Ghostbusters uh, afterlife should have been yeah. coming out this month. We finally have gotten to March where it, it should have happened. It, I mean, it was supposed to happen last yeah. year, this, but, but it got pushed back to the summer. It was like, okay, well, June will get here. And then they pushed it all the way back to November, and it's just like, oh, my God. Just <laughs> – put it on demand at this point like i want to watch this damn thing it's ready it's let's get it out but i get it they want to make the most they can out of it and uh uh fast nine's been pushed back well over a year just like everything else it was one of the first ones so yeah yep we'll see how it goes i i do want to see it even though i know like we're on now a time crunch i can't just rant but uh at universal studios uh, orlando uh they have the fast and the furious ride absolutely horrible was it really horrible, horrible <laughs> missed opportunity ride? I'll save that for another time, but I was really disappointed. I, it was not good. <laughs> well, finally in movie news, uh, you know, one of the stars of fast nine, we're talking the rock and his other big project. Black Adam has been a DCEU project that has seen uh, a few delays during its development from trying to get greenlit for over a decade to having to deal with stalls due to, obviously COVID-19 pandemic. The project gained some momentum with its official DC Fandom announcement last year, and there has been some casting news along the way to excite fans. Hiram Garcia, who is producing the movie, recently spoke with comicbook.com, and he confirmed that things are moving forward and Black Adam is set to get in front of cameras next month, which is exciting. You know, we've been hearing about it for so long. They're going to start filming next month, and uh yeah, that means we're going to see it sooner rather than later. Are you excited you for that? Oh, I am, man. I don't know if you can see it, but the, he is flipping ripped, dude. Like them, qua- like he is getting in big, built shape. But man, that's not the same rock from the old wrestling days. Like he is just a beast. The guy just is always working out. Guy can eat a lot of pancakes. He has this Sunday cheat day. You guys should follow <laughs> him on Twitter or Instagram. He's a real fun, fun one to follow. So. That he is. Well, folks, that does it for movie news. What we're going to do is we're going to head to our commercial now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking video game news, maybe a few things uh, on the outside of pop culture as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to the final segment of the Proton Pack podcast. You know, we're getting used to uh, the shorter time frame, the more succinct time frame, but uh, we're having fun nonetheless. You know, you still get all of the fun and the joy that we had before, just in a 
more compact package for a uh, yeah. lack of Com- term. Compact package, compact package, compact package. <laughs> so we already covered TV. We just covered movies. Well, what do we have left? Video games. Hey, man, you want to K.O. Kicking off the video game news, uh, honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't done this well in advance of everything that's going on right now. But GameStop appears to be gearing up for a major strategy shift, seemingly away from its existing brick-and-mortar store model and into embracing e-commerce. Today, the company announced the formation of a new strategic planning committee to identify initiatives that can further accelerate the company's transformation. The members of the committee are Alan Atal, Kurt Wolf, and committee chairperson Ryan Cohen. What does this mean? Well, Specifically, the committee is responsible for changing GameStop into a technology business, something that Cohen, the former CEO of Chewy, is known for being good at. It's one of the reasons his appointment to the company's board of directors last year helped trigger a massive short squeeze on company stock. He's been asking for this flavor of change from GameStop since his appointment last year, including penning a letter to the board of directors in November, saying the company must promptly pivot from a focus on physical stores to a technology-driven vision. I figured as soon as I said that, that would pop Dude, up. Dude, you can't, when you hear the word pivot, you can't think of that Friends episode. Yeah. You yeah. just can't. Um, honestly, I'm right there with uh, Cohen. Uh, I'm surprised GameStop has held on to their brick and mortar for so long. I was afraid they were going to go the way of Blockbuster, who was so dead set on brick and mortar. Then they joined the uh, streaming game far too late. Is that going to happen here with GameStop? What do you think, Tone? Uh, dude, GameStop, they have to change. And, and I'll tell you why. Not only is brick and mortar kind of a dying thing, but games are now starting to do things where they're even just releasing strictly digital. Um, just the new Ghost and Goblins for the Nintendo Switch. I really wanted to get a physical copy. Um, I think you should still have the option somewhat, but yeah. um, you couldn't get it. So I had to get it digital on the Nintendo shop. But I digress. With GameStop, the problem is is they did this little bait and switch thing over the holiday where they were like, oh, get four games for you know 60 bucks. And it could be any of the four games that were under a certain price point. Then what happens is they have all the game boxes on the shelf. So you're like, oh, I'm going to get this game. I'm going to get you get all excited. And then like you're overthinking because you're like, oh, my God, this is a good deal. I'm going to get these games. I'm going to get these games. And you're overspending your budget. And then you get up there and they're like, we don't have this game. We don't have this game. We don't have this game. Oh, we have this one. Oh, we don't have this one, but we have it new, but it doesn't count a part of your pre-owned deal. So they do this to get you all excited and now you're forced to try to fit like the crappy games into your deal when you couldn't get the good games. And I think that's bad business. Take it off your shelf. Don't have it advertised. If you don't have it for sale. Um, I work for Costco. We would never do that. We wouldn't just put a display right now. The displays are out there when we sell out of stuff, but it's not like we wouldn't sell the display, right? It's not, it's not a bait and switch like trick you and be like, no, you can't buy it. Sorry. (laughs) My problem is, with GameStop is the pre-owned games. You know, they, you buy this game, brand new 60 bucks, you go to trade it in after playing it or beating it, whatever it is. And they offer you pennies. I mean, they offer you what? 10 bucks, maybe 15 bucks. And then you turn around and sell it for 55. 
five bucks less than a brand new game and I can go to Walmart and get them for 50 bucks. It, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. No, yeah, the pre-owned selection price-wise is bad. Even when you were a part of the power member, whatever their little uh, power player card power was, up, yeah. yeah, and you get a discount. But man, we're talking minuscule discount. And and the trade-ins were a joke. Like younger Tony did a lot of dumb trade-ins. Like, oh well, it goes to be the new guy, but I guess we'll just do it. And it's like, wasn't worth it, man. They're making hand over fist, and now it's biting them in the uh, butt. It's uh, they have to change and evolve. Like if you've gone into a GameStop lately, it's not even all about video games anymore. Now they carry a huge selection of Funko Pops and board games and collectibles and and things like that. And that's all neat and dandy. But the pricing, their pricing strategy, as well as their bait and switch, is not. It's not really good. I don't. I don't like going into GameStop to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of it. I don't blame you, but it'll be interesting to see how they take this new direction with e-commerce and digital, and hopefully they can recover and and come back to glory. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about them in the same vein as Blockbuster. So exactly, and I hope not. It, it is always nice to see a video game store. I'm not going to lie. That's why I like the mom pop ones. Those ones that are vintage video games. You can oh, see yeah. the old school stuff. Those are fun. Just to even walk through, man. It's just they're they're just awesome. Yeah, it's a walk down memory lane. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to our next one. So Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One consoles will soon be getting a new upgraded Microsoft Edge Chromium-powered browser that is capable of playing Google Stadia, which is a little strange. As reported on The Verge, testers in Xbox Alpha Skip Ahead group can now access the new version of Edge. And while it still doesn't have the full mouse and keyboard support and is a little bit buggy, it appears much better than the current solution. One benefit of the Chromium browser on Xbox is allowing it to work with browser-based streaming services like Google Stadia and Amazon Luna. Additionally, even though Xbox consoles have native access to Xbox Game Pass, this could theoretically also allow for Xbox cloud gaming through a browser once Microsoft adds support for it in spring of 2021. Now, Tony, I know you are an Xbox guy. Um, Does, is this something you're looking forward to? Um, You know, obviously Google Stadia has sort of fallen by the wayside a little bit. Are they affecting their, their possibilities or are they opening up themselves to the cloud-based gaming? Um, Well, Microsoft wants to go to cloud-based gaming. They want to try to introduce that. In fact, I wish if Xbox could do that right now with their Game Pass that that you get, the Game Pass is phenomenal. It's like over 100 games. You could you you just down, but the only bad thing is you have to download them and they're so big the files are big like they had Red Dead Redemption which was like 150 meg you know gigabytes yeah, and then yeah. you have you have Call of Duty which just eats up so much and it's like I don't want to put all that on my hard drive I just want to I don't want to buy a new video game and have to wait two days to play it and that's Call of Duty was that way you had to wait like a day and a half to download everything um, they're kind of hurt Google's hurting themselves with this. And I don't, I wouldn't use the Stadia on there because I could just play the real games on my Xbox. Like they didn't have any exclusive stuff. Um, and I'll tell you too, it's kind of wonky because I use this to play uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a fan game you can play online. You have to hunt it. It's uh, it's like some heroes thing and it's kind of in the vein of the Turtles arcade game, but it's kind of Nintendo based graphics. Um, it's a lot of fun, but the problem is, is playing it, on your TV, like through the Xbox and stuff is a little wonky. It's doesn't play too well. You're better off to just play it on your computer, but you could do that. And I'll have to send you the, uh, it's like 
Rescue Rescue Palooza or something like that. And it's actually pretty cool. You can play oh, as like Mondo Gecko, Ace Duck, Shredder. You can play as all the characters. It's it's different. That's cool. That's fun. Um, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize this. But I remember the big draw for PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One uh, X and S was that it was supposed to be flaw? I mean, you stick the disc in, you start playing right away. You didn't have to wait for everything to start downloading. Doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case, at least right now. Right. And, well, and that's the thing. I'm just glad you didn't go all in. Because like, I remember you were all about the Stadia at first. You were one of the supporters, and you're like, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And I'm really glad you didn't, because <laughs> what, what a flop of source, man. Like, yeah. it flopped. And it well, shouldn't have flopped. It's... It's such a great idea. I think much like uh, the Dreamcast was ahead of its time, um, other other companies are going to see what worked for that system that was innovative and use it for yeah. them. Yeah, that's that's how it's going to pan out. I, I love the idea of cloud-based gaming, but until one of the bigger players does it, I guess uh, we won't see its success quite yet. And then finally, in video game news, wanted to run down. Uh, apparently, Nint- Nintendo Switch is running some deals on Amazon for the Nintendo-based games. So we're not talking about Sonic or some of the offshoot ones where you know you you can get them for nineteen, twenty, thirty bucks. We're talking about Super Mario, Super Mario Party, Odyssey, Legend of Zelda. You can get them for some really great prizes on Amazon and Walmart right now. For instance, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, you can get for $38.88. That's a a great buy. Hell of a deal. If you don't have that game, absolutely jump on that ASAP. That's a phenomenal game. Same for Super Mario Party, Luigi's Mansion, and Super Mario Maker 2, all $38.88. Good buys. Mario Party's kind of not that great, surprisingly. Really? I yeah, remember it's just the originals it, being fun. Yeah, this one was okay. All right. But still, not bad. For 38 bucks, though, not bad. Not yeah. bad. Splatoon 2, $43.99. Another great uh, deal for a Nintendo uh, uh, you know, main game. Uh, Legend of Zelda and Mario Kart 8, both $49.94. Yeah, not a good deal. Off. Not a great deal, but... No, because you can go to Walmart and get those for 49 bucks. Exactly. But, but if you don't have access to a Walmart, you might as well. And then finally at Walmart, the new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, $38.99. Not a bad deal. No, that's a great, and it's a great game. Any game you could pick up that was formerly a U, like from the Wii U, is worth picking up. That system, unfortunately, just didn't do well. And come to find out, I know we're running out of time, um, it's a collector's item now. It's worth it's worth way more than it ever has been, so I'm glad I didn't get rid of mine. I almost did. Hey, Who knew? Good to know. Well, folks, that does it for this episode of the Proton Pack Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Proton Pack Podcast. Of course, you can get any of the episodes over at phoenixmedia.us forward slash Proton Pack. Until next week, we will see you then. I am. Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Mommy, where's Fluffy? Goodbye.